either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Might be a lightning round this week. We've got a bunch of movies to talk about, but that's never a bad thing. Welcome to the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're from MadWolf.com. Of course, we start with Akeem, African monarch, learning he has a long-lost son in the United States must return to America to meet this unexpected heir and build a relationship with his son. It's coming to America. You must heed my words before I'm gone, my son. Now, you will be king. But the throne must pass to a male heir. Hakim, it appears... You have a son. He must be found. Prepare the royal jet. We are going back to America. Oh, hell no, your majesty. Come on. I'm back. Say it again. Bang. Well, let's just get it out there right now. We are not real fans of the first installment. No. 1988. And I remember seeing it at the time, and I saw it late for some reason. I don't know why, because I, I like Eddie Murphy, and of course he was huge at that time. Uh, I just didn't get around to seeing it. Everybody told me how great it was. I saw it. I'm like, eh, never thought it was really that funny. Still don't. But it's got a big, big fan base. Been waiting a long time, 33 years for the uh, sequel, which is here now. It's on Amazon Prime. And it's it's just pretty simple. If you liked the first one, you're going to get more of what you liked. A little bit of new stuff that we thought was some of the funniest in the movie. And other than that, it's, it gets pretty tedious. Well, and the truth is, if if you liked the first one... Um, which is probably the reason that you're looking into this, you should know that the first one is rated R and this one is rated PG-13. The lack of bite, I think, is pretty is pretty evident in this one. On the other hand, it's not nearly as sexist. <laughs> That's the first true. one. It's still pretty sexist, to be I, honest with you. But... I, was, I was glad to see that when I saw the director was Craig Brewer. And they Eddie Murphy and Craig Brewer just came off of Dolomite Is My Name, which I think is one of Eddie Murphy's career highlights. Fantastic. Love that movie. Yeah. But, I agree with you, but I'm not a, I mean, Craig Brewer plus feminism, no, equals no. <laughs> well, because his, his other film, not that I'm saying this movie had to be feminist, I'm not. And in any way, did I expect or even am I requesting that? But Craig Brewer's earlier films, Hustle and Flow and Black Snake Moan. <laughs> I know you love that one. Oh my God. So I was actually a little worried about that. And they do, uh, I think they make some, they're pretty obvious strides to correct some of the most egregious moments of women hating in the first one. But I agree with you. I mean, for me, the best parts of this movie were the parts that Tracy Morgan and in particular Leslie Jones brought. Yeah. Once uh, Akeem finds his long lost son, Lavelle, played by Jermaine Fowler, then they bring him back to Zamunda for to be put in training to be a prince. Well, he brings with him his uncle, Tracy Morgan, and his mother, who hooked up with Akeem a long time ago. And you'll get the story when you see the movie, uh, played by Leslie Jones. And yeah. They are among the funniest, probably the funniest bits in the movie yeah. are their fish-out-of-Queens-New-York antics. <laughs> and I think a lot of that probably comes from the new writer here, uh, Kenya Barris, who uh, wrote Girl's Trip and Blackish, I think, and some other things. That's where you feel the freshness, because mm-hmm. the other two screenwriters are back from the original. And it covers all that same territory that the first one did. So if you thought the first one was funny, you'll think this one was funny. We didn't, so we didn't think those parts of this movie were funny. Right. I mean, but to, but again, I mean, I feel like it's even that that comedy that you're expecting is watered down yeah. for a PG-13 rating. It's watered down. But yeah, you're going to see all of your favorite cameos come back. So they really do 
I think, succeed with the nostalgia. Yeah, you know, a lot uh, of callbacks, a lot yeah. of callbacks, a lot of wink winks. Yeah. There's even one gag about unnecessary movie sequels. And like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a huge built in audience for this. Uh, and, and I think the big fans that loved it so much back in the day, you're right, they're going to get a lot of a nostalgia factor after 33 years. Right. It's finally here. But beyond that, I thought we thought it covered a lot of weekly weekly traveled roads that the first one did but the bits the bits of Tracy Morgan and Leslie Jones I did laugh at yeah I did too uh, but the rest of the stuff you know the generic love lessons and the way that they try to update the gender politics are all pretty generic yeah we're pretty generic and, and tedious so uh, if you like the first one go for it it's on prime coming to America do you know what what one of the craziest sort of coincidences though is that when we flipped around we found Bowfinger on HBO or something right after we saw this. Man, that movie reminds you of how profoundly talented Eddie Murphy is. He he's was so great Two in that completely movie. different roles, and he's absolutely kills in both of them. He's, I mean, Eddie Murphy he is great. He has been great. You can find some real, real highs in his career, and, yeah. you, have, and you can find some garbage. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm not saying this movie <laughs> no, is garbage. It's, it's not. not. No, no, no. But, yeah, Bowfinger, I hadn't seen it in years, and my lord, he should have been nominated for an Oscar for that. He, he was... Fantastic. Agreed. Just fantastic. But this is coming to America. How about Disney's latest? In a realm known as Kumandra, a reimagined Earth inhabited by an ancient civilization, a warrior named Raya is determined to find the last dragon. Raya and the last dragon. My daughter, I believe our people can come together again, but someone has to take the first step. Now, in order to restore peace, we must find the last dragon. I wish to join this fellowship of but Six years of searching. Please let this be it. Oh, mighty Sisu! Who said that? We really need your help. I'm gonna be real with you. I'm not like the best dragon. Uh, we're doomed. You and the dragon are coming with me. Hmm. My sword here says we're not. The world's broken. You can't trust anyone. Maybe it's broken because you don't trust anyone. You just have to take the first step. Well, this one is coming out Disney Plus Premium, so if you have the service, you got to pay a little more. But it's also coming out in theaters, and if you're comfortable... That is how we suggest you see it, because it is absolutely gorgeous. It is stunning. God, it's so beautiful. And uh, Raya goes on sort of a video game quest, really, where she's got to go from one realm to the next to the next. The next one, she has to collect something. And they give each one of these communities, realms, its own very unique, meticulously crafted world. They're so gorgeous. Raya is voiced by Kelly Marie Tran, and the, the dragon, the last dragon, Sisu, is voiced by Aquafina, and they have a great chemistry together. Some real fun, some real fun uh, voice work there. And you're going to have a lot of other voice cameos that pop up, including the little kid from uh, Grown Ups. Remember the kid that was having the party? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we like to see. But uh, the thing about this is it's it's overloaded. I mean, it's a good solid two hours. It feels it. It's got four directors. It's got a team of ten people that worked on the story and the script. And it feels like it. It's so overstuffed. There's so much exposition in telling you all the backstory about the uh, the history. So much to keep track of. But the nice message about building when you are divided, when your people are divided, 
mm-hmm. which is, of course, a very relevant message right now. It's nice because, as you pointed out, it's not really watered down for kids. Not at all, no. I mean, it really feels very compelling and, and, and powerful. And I think part of the reason is because it's, it's, it's not the message that our hero is telling us. She kind of wants to remain divided. Yeah. And and I really felt like the the talent level there between Kelly Marie Tran and Aquafina and then the different perspectives because Aquafina is so awkward and goofy and it's a nice way to puncture the very self-seriousness of, of any Disney film. I, I thought that they delivered the message better than most films I've seen. Yeah, and some other voices, uh, Sandra Oh pops up, uh, Benedict Wong, Alan Tudyk, he, he voices the little... Well, not little, the big sort of pill bug thing that Raya rides. Tuck, tuck. Yeah, but it's just noises. Right. It's just animal noises, which is always <laughs> fun. But the, the thing about it, though, if you've seen a few of these, especially in the last several years for Disney, you're going to realize that the princess formula isn't gone. It's just evolved. It's now warrior princesses. Not that that's a bad evolution. It's not. But some of this looks a little familiar and is beginning to get maybe a little bit well-worn. I would just love for Disney to make a movie with a female lead who's not a princess. That not royal in any way. That would be awesome. <laughs> well, you're going to keep waiting. Uh, this is Raya and the Last Dragon. Again, it's it's perfectly fine. It's not among the best of Disney, but again, it looks fantastic. And if you can, if you do have a theater in your area seeing it and you feel comfortable going out, and I know a lot of theaters are really doing a great job as far as sanitizing, um, but if uh, if you're up for it, See it on the biggest screen you can, Raya and the Last Dragon. Next up is a new thriller on Hulu. A retired Special Forces officer is trapped in a never-ending time loop. What? On the day of his death, it's boss level. Can you hear me? I can't explain it right now, but I'm going to need your help. Gemma? The only woman I've ever loved and who can stop this is still alive. I have to get killed. Hi, Roy. Over and over again. Until I save her. I need to learn how to fight with a sword. I would only have a day. I think we can get a lot done in a day. I'm stuck in the death loop because of you. Exactly. Bring them all on. I can do this all day. I know you're always up for a time loop thriller. I'm really tired of time <laughs> loops. I'm so, and I think part of it, part of the reason that they're so popular right now, and part of the reason I'm tired of them is, is we live in a time loop. Right. Every day looks exactly like every other day. I don't need that to happen on TV on, on in movies too. Well, this one is fun, and it's bloody fun. It's Frank Grillo uh, getting a really nice lead part, and he just owns it. He has a ton of fun with it. This is director uh, Joe Carnahan, who direct well. Frank Grillo was in The Grey, uh, which uh, I thought was a really yeah. solid film. Yeah, yeah. But this is a really fun take on the Groundhog Day premise, and it's it's also really based in gaming. It feels like every time he relives his death, it's like there's, there's a number on the screen, So, and then he has to go move up levels. Every time he goes farther the next day than he did the previous day, he's moving up a level, and he, of course, finally gets to boss levels. So the way it's structured is a lot like the adventure in, I keep wanting to say Live, Die, Repeat, because that should have been the title, (laughs) Edge of Tomorrow. Right. But uh, this is a lot more self-aware, a lot more fun. Yes, it's bloody. And uh, Mel Gibson is the bad guy, and you get to see him die multiple times in multiple Bonus ways. Bonus points there. <laughs> and Naomi Watts is uh, uh, pops up in a, I wouldn't call it a cameo, but it's a smaller role as the doctor who comes up with this technology 
that allows the time loop. And I'm not even going to get into how that works, but uh, she put Frank Grillo in this time loop. And it's great to see him get a part like this, because even if you don't know his name, you're going to know his face. Yeah. And he really, really owns it. It's on Hulu. A lot of fun. Yes, it's bloody. Not for the kiddos. But Boss Level is the latest take on Groundhog Day, and I doubt we're done. You can find that on Hulu. Next up, a dystopian world where there are no women and all living creatures can hear each other's thoughts in a stream of images, words, and sounds called noise. It's chaos walking. It's so loud here. We call it the noise. Happens to all the men on this planet. Every thought in our heads we're on display. Where are all the women? They're dead. Oh, what is she thinking? Where the hell is her noise? It's strange to see everything you're thinking. You know, it's strange for me, too, not knowing what's going on in your head. If you want to protect the girl, you have to leave now. I leave that girl before she wants him. How many are coming? A hundred. Two hundred. This is one that was... They started filming it years ago, back when the... Young adult sci-fi trilogies were all the rage, and then they had to do a lot of reshoots, and so it's finally coming out right now. Yeah, and it's taken a long time, obviously, so it doesn't really feel like a young adult sci-fi trilogy anymore because, well, the, first of all, they the leads don't really look like teens. It's Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland, and the writer who, who wrote the, the original trilogy, Patrick Ness, he wrote... A monster calls that God. We love that. Oh yeah, love that so much. But this has a lot of interesting ideas uh, about it. Uh, Tom Holland is a young man on this this planet where yeah, there appear to be no women, and all the men are afflicted by this noise you can hear and sometimes see all their thoughts. And then Daisy Ridley crash lands on that planet. Women aren't affected with the noise, so she's instantly a threat to all the men, and uh, Tom Holland helps her try to run for safety, where they find out things about the planet and about uh, Tom's village that maybe they didn't know. Maybe he's been told some tall tales all this time. So the ideas are good, but you, as you might imagine, the, the how a person's thoughts play out is a lot easier to envision with words than with pictures. Sometimes right. sometimes it does. It looks a little, a little silly, but the ideas at work, I think, are, are worth exploring because the idea of the strong, silent man suddenly have, having his facade constantly broken by the inability to hide what he's thinking and how it, he can be so, so threatened by women not having to put up with that and not being able to be, as, to be read as easily, I like that. There's a conflict there. You, yeah. can, you can really start mining that for especially the puritanical views and puritanical fears of women in yeah, general. Sure. And they dip their toe into that here. They really do. It's just it's just not developed enough. And it's got a great cast, great supporting cast. I mean, you're talking Mads Mikkelsen, uh, David Oyelowo, uh, Cynthia Erivo. These people always pop up in small roles, and some of that is probably because it started filming years ago before people like Cynthia Erivo rose to, to greater fame. But it's great to see him. It's great to see him. And as it goes along, if you're a big sci-fi fan, you're probably going to guess some things. But uh, as far as young adult movies go, especially of the last few years, uh, you could do a lot worse. And Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley definitely keep it entertaining throughout, throughout the adventure. And it's uh, this one is actually in theaters. I think in theaters only uh, right now. And it's called Chaos Walking. 
Here's another one that's only opening in theaters, a coming-of-age story of Alfred Boogie Chin, a basketball phenom living in Queens, New York, who dreams of one day playing in the NBA. It's called Boogie. It's a joke in this country. We can cook, clean, count real good, but anything else, we pick last. Cause I got it on me. But if you stick to our plans and we beat Monk, we'll get our shot at the NBA. Look, you don't want to know what's going on in my house. My mom, she's responsible, but she doesn't believe in me. My dad is irresponsible, but he believes in me. I've got to represent. I got 5,000 years of Chinese history. There's a lot of pressure. I need you to fight for yourself the same way you fight for being Chinese. This has always been about you. You're playing a beat monk. So what are you going to do? Have mercy on me. This movie reminded me of when I saw Mr. 3000 back... (laughs) A hundred years ago, uh, and Bernie Mac, Bernie Mac yeah, played a yeah. baseball player. Yeah. And you understood why, because the comedy was perfect for Bernie Mac, and he was perfect for the comedy, and he looked like he had never held a baseball bat in his life. that That's the thing that, that really is a problem right away. This is the uh, feature debut for writer-director Eddie Huang, and he is the creative force behind the TV show Fresh Off the Boat. Right. This is his first feature. It's mainly a coming-of-age a coming story, but if you base it around this guy... This young man who has dreams of playing in the NBA, he's got to look like he can play basketball. At all. And this the, the, the lead here, it's his debut as well. Uh, I think it's, according to IMDb, it's his acting debut, Taylor Takahashi. He just doesn't. I mean, can he make a layup? Yes. Can he shoot a Dude, ball? Dude, I can make a layup. <laughs> yeah, but the, all the basketball scenes, just, it's laughable that this guy thinks he can play in college, let alone the NBA. But, okay. So that's number one. Even if you take that away, uh, you look at the coming-of-age story, and it's very generic as well. He has to deal with being the the savior for his parents. He wants to take the family along with him to the NBA and all those riches, and they're trying to get, first of all, they're trying to get a college scholarship, and right now the the scouts are only offering a walk-on opportunity, so that's not uh, panning out. And he's dealing with his first big relationship, his girlfriend Eleanor, played by Taylor Page, who is the clear standout in this cast. And Taylor Page, you may remember from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm -hmm. So good, as with everybody in that movie. Right. Especially alongside uh, Taylor Takahashi, who is very inexperienced. She's she really, really stands out uh, in this film. And it's just, you can't get emotionally involved in the story because there's really no reason to. Everything, the pressures that he's facing culturally and otherwise are all told more than they're shown. And there's no emotional pull. And there's no real arc of Boogie as he goes through the process of trying to get a scholarship and trying to please his parents and try to hold on to this relationship and things like that. So even without the ridiculous basketball angle, which I've got to get over, I do, I have to get over that, but uh, <laughs> it's still just a very limited limited success with the coming-of-age story. But it's just his first feature, so we'll see where it goes from here. And that is Boogie in theaters now. Oh, the latest from one of our favorite weird directors next, Quentin DePew. Police officers at a station must solve a murder case. Simple enough. It's keep an eye out. This is one that you can find in virtual screening rooms, including the one at our beloved Gateway Film Center. Go to gatewayfilmcenter.org to watch it there. And uh, you're right. We The first thing we saw of Quentin Abuse was his breakout from 2010, Rubber 
which if you're not familiar, watch it right now. It's the story of a cast-aside spare tire on a cross-country murder rampage. It's great. It's great. (laughs) But when you see a Quentin Depew film, it's not going to be like anything you expect. He's got his own worldview, and it can be just beautifully nuts. Yeah, because one of the things, so uh, I would say that he's an absurdist, but most absurdists, mm-hmm. like, for example, Yorgos Lanthimos, mm-hmm. their their stories are really quite layered and deep and existential and cynical, and I just don't think that that's the case with the Pews. They're, uh, they're fairly slight. They almost feel like, especially this one, Monty Python and comedy setups. Mm-hmm. It's just that the jokes aren't nearly quite as obvious. They're, they're weirder. <laughs> <laughs> jokes and you're like what did i just watch but it, you know in in every case you're not gonna feel like you've wasted your time also partly because his films are very short this one too it's barely over an hour there you go so if you have never seen one of his films and you see this and you like it by all means look up the rest of his because yes. you will really appreciate them and that is keep an eye out Next up is the story of a woman trying to turn her life around after fleeing a backwoods cult, and she takes a job at a home for special needs adults, only to discover that she must face her dark past to save a Down syndrome girl. It's called Dementor. This is my friend Katie. She's going to be working in your home. You are so special. If you only knew. But if the devils find them, their entrance must be blocked by something that was once part of the living. Stephanie is in trouble. I'm just trying She's to help not her. Your concern anymore. Why so many? To protect us. To call them. To protect us from them. To call them. I'll teach you soon enough. For a life is given, and a devil is born. <laughs> This is the latest film from writer-director Chad Crawford Kinkle, who made Jug Face. Nice. A uh, backwoods, cult-like horror film that we really, really liked. And this one is, the first thing I want to say is it's it's really unlike anything else that you're going to see. It's very, very low budget. It has a very verite style about it, which doesn't work with a lot of filmmakers. They're not sure. You know, it doesn't come off as amateurish. It comes off as verite, borderline documentary, which works to a degree for the film itself. While a lot of it is sort of familiar, you've got the story of a person who just wants to keep an innocent safe from this demonic force, right? But in this case, rather than being a baby or a child, it is a grown woman with Down syndrome who, Stephanie Kinkle, is the filmmaker's sister. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think really propels this film is you can almost feel the filmmaker's dread over... The, the true vulnerability of adults who, who live with Down syndrome or other kind of cognitive disabilities because they're in a system where they're being taken care of. But how safe is the system, right? How difficult is it to, to get into, to get a job helping to care for it? Not very difficult. Mm-hmm. So I think that for that reason, it's a familiar setup but a very different approach. It doesn't always work. Katie Groshong is the only professional actor in the film, aside from just one scene with Larry Fessenden. And And she's the lead. She is the lead. And for the most part, that works out really well. There are times where you think to yourself, these people don't act. But it's not very often. I have to say that the fresh perspective makes it worth any of the bumps in the road. Yeah, and that is Dementor. It's on Prime now, and it's a um, affordable Rent or buy for three ninety nine. Dementor.
How about the latest Shudder original? A suburban woman fights to be believed as she finds herself stalked by a threatening figure who returns to her house night after night. This is Lucky. That's the man who comes every night and tries to kill us. Are we just going to leave him? Oh, I'm sure he's already gone. You said a man comes into our house every night and tries to kill us. Hey, put it together. What? We are being attacked. There's no rationalizing it. No saving us. So get used to it. Well, we've said it for a while now. Shutter Originals have been on the uptick, and uh, this one follows suit. This one also takes a real stab at, well, one really well known horror trope of the masked killer who you think might be dead, but then you turn around and, oh, his body's gone. Because that's <laughs> what's happening to this man who keeps breaking in every night and trying to kill May. And May is played by the writer-director here. Oh, I'm sorry, no, she's not the director. She's the writer and the star, Bria Grant. And as this goes on, the police... Well, first of all, her husband suddenly isn't around much anymore, and he just seems to sort of take it in stride. Yeah, he just comes back every night. Yeah, what's... You know, what's... You're lucky you're alive. And the police seem more interested in that and in trying to get her to calm down as this just goes on night after night. So if you've seen that internet meme about the list of things that men say they do every day to avoid being victims compared with the list of women's, May becomes a living, breathing example of that. And it's really nice, fresh take on these horror tropes because it talks about how, how women can bond over just their ability to get through the days with fear and becoming a victim from all the different threats they face each and every day. And there are times when the production values suffer a little bit, but uh, the director is Natasha Kermani, and she peels en enough of these layers out of Grant's script to really make it feel freshly relevant. Not only does it a take on that, uh, you know, the, the body that vanishes, but really the final girl, mm -hmm. because this is a final girl in... In a modern world of gaslighting, this this movie has gaslighting all over it and victim shaming, and it's a it's it comes on a little strong at times because when you realize the entire thing is 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 a constant metaphor, that's hard to keep 100% afloat the entire time, and there are some gaps in the logic of the narrative that make you jump ahead a little bit on your own that then uh, that mute the power of the entire film when it catches up to you. Mm -hmm. But still, very much worth it, I would say. And and Brea Grant, she did that, um, I'm thinking of the... 12-hour shift? 12-hour shift, yeah. yeah. And she did write and direct that one. She did write and direct that with the just sublime Angela Bettis in yeah. the lead. Yeah, so here she's the writer and the star, and, and well done. And this is the latest Shudder original. You can find it on Shudder now. It's called Lucky. Another horror movie next. Oh, goody. When a young man contracts a mysterious illness, his mother must decide how far she will go to protect him from terrifying forces in her past. It's called Sun. I was dreaming. What about? I was drowning in a river of blood. This cold may still be out there. Is that the boy? There was never any cult. She retreated into a fantasy world. If this
this is real. She needs our protection. And what if it's not? It's all in your head. You have no idea what he's capable of. Writer-director, Irishman, Ivan Kavanaugh, a few years ago, did a movie called Canal that I got a chance to review. It has at its center this idea that there is a, a little boy in jeopardy and is his dad his only possible savior or is his dad really the danger? Mm-hmm. So for this film, he he swaps that notion, right? So it's a little boy who's in danger who is with his mother and is the little boy in danger or is the little boy the villain all along is really where we go with this. And there's not a lot that's fresh here. Um, the movie looks great. The production values are, are great. It's very efficiently told, efficiently made. The performances are very strong. Emil Hirsch does a good job in a small role. There's some gory moments. There's some characters that you hate and you want to see them get picked off. There's some genuine emotion. It's just there's nothing new here. There's nothing Nothing, nothing new here. <laughs> and it's really frustrating. It's it's almost like all of these uh, these really strong elements are wasted on a script that just doesn't do anything different. But if you feel like checking it out, it's another bargain rent or buy on Prime Video for $5.99, and that is Sun. How about a comedy crime thriller to avenge her mother's death? Pixie masterminds a heist but must flee across Ireland from gangsters, take on the patriarchy, and choose her own destiny. Pixie. Let me get this straight. Your stepfather is a gangster. His old partner in crime was a fellow called Father McGrath. We still work together. Now they're split up with somewhat acrimonious. That bag of goodies is Father McGrath. You're saying it's priests that are after us. Deadly gangster priests, yeah? I want to reassure people that senseless acts of violence will not go unnoticed by our father. The Lord will have his vengeance. Feels like we're entering into murky waters here. Do you know what I mean? Real crack team we got here. I'm coming for you. This one was reviewed for us by Matt Weiner on MadWolf.com, where you can check out his full review. He liked it very much. Yeah, he said it was a lot of fun and driven by a great lead performance from Olivia Cook. Who's always great. And also a very fun, uh, small performance. Alec Baldwin stopping <laughs> by, by to play a violent Irish priest. I'm in right there. <laughs> And the filmmakers, the uh, father-son duo of the Thompsons, Barnaby the director and Preston the writer. So you might recognize a few parts of this crime thriller formula, but that doesn't mean it's not fun. Uh, Yeah, Matt Wiener's uh, review up at madwolf.com. But uh, this one's in theaters, too. A lot opening in theaters this weekend. It's Pixie. Next up is a drama about a middle-aged man driving cross-country, seeking redemption in search of the daughter he abandoned as a child. It's called Sometime Other Than Now. You're the first person I've ever told about my daughter. I haven't seen her in 30 years. What if I went out there with you? What would I say to her? Hello? Hi. Maybe next time you call first. He's come a long way across the country to find you. You don't look the way I remember you. Time plays tricks, huh? I'm trying really hard. I can't imagine what it's been like for you. I'd like you to stay with me. I'd have to know I was moving towards something, not away from it. You look awful. Thanks. This is one that was reviewed for us by Rachel Willis, and it stars Donald Logue. Always like to see him. I know. Where's he been? Right, and Kate Walsh. 
Very funny. Really solid chemistry between the two. The film kind of keeps you a little bit at an emotional distance, but on the whole, it's very well written and well uh, acted. Another bargain rent or purchase from Prime Video at three ninety nine. Check out Rachel's review at MadWolf.com sometime other than now. Well, we saved this one for last for a reason. This one centers on two estranged sisters who, along with their friends, become entrenched in a 48-hour whirlwind of violence after a traumatic experience at an underground music festival. Dreamcatcher. This is my friend Katie. She's going to be working in your home. You are so special. If you only knew. But if the devils find them, their entrance must be blocked by something that was once part of the living. Stephanie is in trouble. I'm just trying She's to help her. She's not your concern anymore. Why so many? To protect us. To call them. To protect us from them. To call them. I'll teach you soon enough. For a life is given, and a devil is born. <laughs> Brandon Thomas reviewed this one for us, and I caught a tweet we, from him earlier in the week where he said, I just watched the cinematic equivalent of sitting on your keys. <laughs> so I guess we owe him uh, after this one. I think he, <laughs> he took one for the team. Uh, he did not like it, to say the least, but uh, if you want to check out his written review and maybe get a smile, get a taste of what he went through, you can find that at madwolf.com, but that is Dreamcatcher. Let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Back in the lobby to talk to Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, always keeping us up to date on the changes and the moving around and what's moving and what's shaking. So uh, what's the word this week? Well, Netflix's Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer's superhero comedy Thunder Force will premiere on April 9th. And also on April 9th is the arrival of Lionsgate's sci-fi adventure Voyagers, which stars Colin Farrell and Ty Sheridan. Right now, that one's meant for theaters only, as far as I know. Okay. Sony has popped up the <laughs> the release date for Peter Rabbit 2, and it will now arrive on May 14th. It was previously set for the middle of the summer. Also on May 14th, Netflix is debuting um, Amy Adams' thriller, The Woman in the Window, which is another off-delayed title. And... Peter Rabbit's not the only one that's moved up. Paramount has pushed up the release of The Quiet Place Part 2. It is now arriving in theaters on May 28th, which in turn means that it should be streaming on Paramount Plus around mid-July. May 20th, I'm guessing guessing that is Memorial Day weekend? Yep. Yeah, they previously had their Mark Wahlberg movie, Infinite, set for that date, and they basically swapped them. Infinite is now coming out on September 24th. Quiet Place Part 2 moved up to May 28th. Sorry, Hope. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Netflix's Kevin Hart comedy Fatherhood is arriving on June 18th. And then we have uh, some musical chairs again after that. Universal has once again delayed two releases, one of them small, one of them big. They've pushed Fast 9 back from Memorial Day weekend to June 25th, which is why A Quiet Place moved up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then they have moved Minions to The Rise of Gru from July of this year to July of next year. Not quite sure why that such an extreme of a delay happened there, but yeah. hey, that's what they're doing. But even even with the Fast Nine shift, it's looking like May might actually be the first regular movie month as far as the theatrical experience goes. We could always see more delays, but right now it's currently setting, or the May releases are currently Disney's Black Widow and Cruella. Sonny's got Peter Rabbit too. 
Paramount has Quiet Place Part 2. And then Disney has the Fox Leftover Free Guy, and Lionsgate still has Spiral from the Book of Saul set for May 21st. Unless something changes, May might actually be a regular month. You know, maybe it's just who we follow on Twitter, but I learned about the Fast Furious movie because Venom 2 was trending (laughs) because that's the same day Venom 2 is supposed to come out, and everybody was like, all these funny gifs of of Tom Hardy looking angrily into the camera. People were like, my face when they push Venom 2 back for this tired-ass Fast and the Furious franchise. Uh (laughs) Well, I mean, (laughs) they'll probably be making that face. Sonny hasn't moved it yet, but there's no way. There is no way they keep it on that date. Oh, not, no, not two, you know, sort of vacuous action-adventure movies on the same day, no way. <laughs> and you can always catch up on the latest news from Daniel. You can find him uh, on Twitter, at The Schlocketeer, on Facebook as well. Thank you, as always. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, looking ahead to next week, doesn't look to be quite as busy as this week. Uh, Antigone, which I like to call Antigone. <laughs> The Independence, which we already know we like. Yeah, that was fun. Stay out of the attic. Good advice. (laughs) Dutch. The Last Rite. Cosmic Sin, which, by the way, has you written all over it. Does it? I don't know anything about it. Bruce Willis. Hello. Come True. And Yes Day. We don't have, where are all the one word, well, we have one, one next week, Dutch. Other than that, we need some more one word titles we can bark at each other. (laughs) That is next week, but for this week, boy, a lot to talk about. Couple of big ones and some good stuff on the uh, mid-range level as well. So let us know what you thought about coming to America or Raya or boss level. Anything this week. We always love to keep the conversation going. You can find us on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other podcast, Horror Films Only, called Fright Club. That's all right there at MadWolf.com. We hope to hear from you. And until next week, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>